0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin joined by jack that's patrick jack
1: what is going on a little game two of the world series is going on so uh let's uh, roll through this do this in about five minutes and uh be done with it <laughs> no um i'm doing great i started my job my side gig not side gig my in-between job today nice i'm working at a wine retail shop so that's oh hell fun. yeah so uh i haven't been on my feet for seven hours straight since uh Long time. So my feet kind of hurt today. Wear you out. That will wear you out. Uh, okay. Do you just want to jump into this? Yeah, we are going to go quickly, people. We, we were joking about the five minutes, but it's going to be pretty quick. <laughs> um, for two reasons. One, full transparency. Bennett and I, I think, we're both just very busy uh, busy <laughs> beavers <laughs> on Saturday. And we know we're the J Sports News podcast. And we try to bring you great insights from James Sports. but we failed you this week. Neither one of us really wants the game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen the highlights. I've seen some clips. I did not get a full, like, film study breakdown that I normally do of the Jamie, William, and Mary game. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I don't think I've ever been this. Like, I don't think I've ever been this indifferent toward a game. Like, I just didn't I didn't care <laughs> going into the week. I, like, didn't think it was going to be close. It wasn't close. <laughs> Nothing. Like, I was busy. I didn't. I wasn't for the game the game happened i was not excited to rewatch it so i never got to it
1: i kind of forgot i put a post on my facebook page mm-hmm. about like the watch party at yeah um, the bar in new york city and i was like if you're not at homecoming this week go to the bar to watch the game and then like halfway through last week i was like this isn't homecoming i'm just like my <laughs> mind completely just glazed over this game like you were kind of high on this game for a little bit, and then I think I it switched for a while. quickly. Yeah, there's nothing to it. Yeah, 38 and win. They probably should have won by more, from what I was hearing. There's a lot of missed opportunities early on, but I mean, 38 to 10 a good win. Yeah, they won the game, you know? I mean, it's <laughs> like play. the box score. Anything crazy jump out? I don't think so.
0: No, not, not really. It was a pretty standard game. I think Danucci had more passing yards than normal, but after the game, he said he was kind of sloppy, and most people. Sort of agreed. So I don't know. Did have I, mean, an I know the one thing. The one thing that stood out is they did have something gross. It was like they had 15 tackles for loss or something. Yeah, that ridiculous. that was
1: ridiculous. Yeah, there. I have a theory too on that tackle for loss that'll kind of go in my hot take that we have in a second. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was it was a game
0: that nobody. <laughs> well, I want to go that far. <laughs> but It was a game that neither <laughs> of us were excited about. Um. They've got Towson this week, which is a little more exciting. Are you going down for homecoming?
1: I am. I'm very excited to see, see JMU in person, um, get a full feeling of what this team is like. I'm, I'm excited for homecoming. Um, I don't think it's a sellout, so I don't know how crazy the fans will be. It's also homecoming, yeah. on family's weekend. So let's see if they stay past halftime. But I'm really looking forward to it. Um, first get- This is also my first tailgate like ever as like a student. Or wow, a quote unquote student, now an alum. Yeah, grade. but yeah, that's, that's exciting. exciting. So we'll see if I even remember the game. No, I'm kidding. Are, <laughs> are you going to purchase a beer in Bridgeport? Of course, probably all, right, all four of mine.
0: All right. Yes. Please let me know what you take. We'll, yeah. Next bo- Next podcast is gonna be huge for us.
1: Yeah. Next podcast, I'll. I'll from the inside. I will give a breakdown. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's all of our takeaways from the game. Nothing crazy happened. Yeah. Our defense was a a monster, but that's not breaking news either. Like when I tell me if I'm wrong for this. Did you look, this is what I'm I'm setting this up terribly. So I looked at 15 tackles for, and I kind of said, okay. And then I moved on from it. Like, yeah, it's a gaudy number. And that's something that like doesn't happen every day. But I looked at it and I was like, nah, that, that should happen. We should have 15 tackles for loss against a um, William & Mary team. I also saw the stat. They started the game with a 73-yard run on the first drive or something crazy. And they finished the game with 75 yards of rushing yards. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too stunned by the 15 tackles for loss. It's a crazy number. But like you said, I mean, Jamie's just such a dominant defensive line and they have such a dominant defense that – when they're going up against a team that is very much not going to make the playoffs, I don't think it's I don't think it's stunning whenever they do do anything crazy like that. So I wasn't wasn't shocked. And yeah, I mean it's just like it's a talent differential more than anything else. I mean, they're just significantly better than most offensive lines of teams that aren't, you know, near playoff contention.
1: Yeah, they're the best I them in North Dakota State, maybe South Dakota yeah. State now too. Are the trenches and when you're that you're going to win a lot of games and you're going to dominate a lot of people and you know where else on the roster there's a really big gap of talent wide receiver oh yes we're starting to see why Brandon Polk wasn't it's going to come out really mean I don't mean it to be a mean but we're, fi- we're we're seeing why Brandon Polk was an FBS recruit and Riley Stapleton wasn't
0: yeah, I mean, I think that Polk, at least in my opinion, is probably the best receiver on the team just because of how much separation he can God, create. he's good. When you look at Stapleton, he's he's a beast, and I think he's got tight end potential at the next level. Um, but he's not somebody that really ever runs by a DB, at least from what I've seen. He's not normally going to just sprint by a defensive back and make a play. What he does is he gets maybe half a step or a step of separation, or he gets no separation. He's just able to go up and catch – know a jump ball i think he's one of the best contested catchers um, that i've seen in the fcs in the last few years and that's what makes him great so i think he's an incredible red zone threat but he plays maybe more like a tight end a little bit and i think polk his speed his quickness his route running his hands he's so good
1: he's so good he's so he's he's quick he's twitchy he's that's a word i've been hearing a lot more on like morning talk shows by the way Um, I love that word then password. I love it too. And it, it, and it describes him really well. And he, he has really reliable hands. I think he's the best receiver that we've seen at JMU, probably even before Ravenel or that 2016 duo, or I think it's, he's probably one of the best we've seen in a really long time. Just like you said, his ability to run past people, his ability to go up for the jump ball. And it seems like him and Danucci have a really great connection, which is huge for that wide receiver QB tandem. For sure. And I think it's, it's easy to,
0: you know, sort of fall into a trap early in the season and be like, Oh wow, look at what Polk is doing. Yeah. But I think now that we're eight games in he's on pace to become the first JMU receiver with 800 receiving yards in a year um, since 1998, I think was the last time someone did it. I think it was Ernest Payton in 1998. Yeah. So, I mean, they haven't had anyone a century get to 800 receiving yards, including Riley Stapleton and, um, Brandon Rabineau and, and those players. So I think that it just shows how good Polk is, and he has a chance to become the second receiver in JMU history to get to 1,000 receiving yards if the team goes deep into the postseason. In every game except the Elon game this year, Polk has at least four catches for 44 yards, so it's that consistency, it's the big playability yeah. because of the fact that he's a surprisingly good red zone threat, just because he, he gets open. I mean, I don't know. I'm really high on the guy. I think that He gives them a huge thing, and it it makes it so defenses can't focus only on Riley Stapleton, which I think they were able to do a little bit last year.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the 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 offense kind of hit the uh, kind of got stalled out last season was when defenses could kind of key in on Riley. You didn't have many other like great options to go other than him, and now with bulk, it almost makes it where Riley isn't your first threat. Brandon Polk is now the is wide receiver number one. And I think defenses are now game planning for Polk rather than Stapleton. So I think later on in the season, maybe in uh, playoff time, and I know we're already talking about playoffs, but Jamie's almost already a lock for it. I think that's when you'll see Riley start to even have these big games that we, we remember from Weaver State. And
0: I like what you're saying about the playoffs, but I do think, I want to caution you, let's just go game by game, man. Let's just take it one game at a time. <laughs> let's just, no, that's you know, not a job. Big game here against Towson. So let's all act like coaches here. God. Let's focus on what we can do to beat the Tigers one rep at a time. I don't want any uniform talk, all right?
1: <laughs> I want us to wear okay, standard a quick uniforms. One, we won't get into uniform talk, but we have to talk about Signetti's soundbite at some point on some podcast. This is a quick one, so we won't – because I have a lot of pent-up emotions about it.
0: Huh. The uniform, Like the uniform soundbite?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have to get into it. I I oh. just love, and the joke I was making in case anyone <laughs> didn't know, is so there's a lot of like JMU fans this year that are talking in coach speak where they're just like, oh, you know, like I, I would think about what would happen in the playoffs, but uh, we got a big one against the Tribe this weekend. And it's like, <laughs> like I get that, like I get what the game is, but they're also <laughs> going to beat them. So you can look
1: ahead a little bit. I mean, it's and so, and we're also fans like, right. Oh, someone said something on Twitter today about um, it might have been yesterday about how Jamie. this is kind of about Jamie fans about how JMU is only good because of their FBS transfers. They did you see helped. this tweet? I did well, not. So I saw that and I was just thinking to myself and I was talking to a friend of ours, Dom on the phone, and I made the comparison. I was like, that's like a team winning a Super Bowl or making a big-time playoff push and saying, well, they didn't draft all their players. They're only good because of their free agent pickups. Like, <laughs> you can't sit back and tell me. Like, oh, man. We get worked up over funny things. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious because, like, obviously the
0: transfer play a large role in many cases. But to assume that, like, JME would be awful if they didn't have it, for a wide receiver, or transfer a quarterback is is kind of insane. <laughs> so, I don't know. People are – people – we got some crazy stuff. In the <laughs> we're pretty kind about not muting or blocking people, so we get all the, all the nonsense.
1: I don't think kind. I think we just like to read it.
0: That's fair. I think that we – yeah, that's true. We do almost always have, like, a text chain going where we're ripping on the person. So, <laughs> so <laughs> if you send something stupid to us, beware. <laughs> we're probably mocking you.
1: If you say something insightful, beware. <laughs> we're probably texting about how insightful your tweet was. Yeah, no, we're, we're
0: honest about our, our takes. We're not just going to roast you, but if you say something really, really stupid.
1: Yeah, because we, we can't will... roast you
0: on Twitter. We'll talk <laughs> about it. All right, you uh, have a hot take coming up here. It's. Yeah, so Danucci. we were.
1: Yeah, it, it was Danucci. You set it up. You, yeah, I think you can set this better up better than I can. <laughs>
0: I, was, I was about to say i'm really happy you're saying it up so here we go <laughs> so Danucci last year under houston it seemed like he started the year really strong and he sort of was i don't know if flamboyant's really the right word but he was um cocky demon- yeah kind of cocky and would would sort of make gestures and do different he'd things
1: flex on you he'd
0: right he'd finger gun the finger first guns, down yeah
1: he, and I he think- had fun
0: Yes, that's the perfect way to describe it. He had a ton of fun in the first games. And then it seemed like he started to sort of lose confidence, but also the coaching staff, at least from our perspective, and um, you had a closer perspective than I did, was maybe trying to sort of take that away a little bit, take some of the fun away and have him be more of a composed, almost a Brian Shore type. Not that Brian Shore doesn't have fun, but he <laughs> certainly played the game differently. Like and I'll, if Brian Shore did finger guns, I think people would be like, what? so that wasn't something that he was had in his arsenal but yeah do you think that signetti is allowing him to have more fun again
1: yeah this is a beautiful setup we were texting about this during the week and it kind of just came to me where i started to put things together and i said i was going to beef it up i was going to beef this argument up i i didn't i don't have the stats <laughs> but maybe if I, I i might make a i might put it together an article or something with like more statistics behind it yeah I also might even find out as I'm putting together that article that this this theory of mine doesn't even hold water. But if you look at the first couple of games, NC State, that was when the finger guns and the niche happened. Then you go to Norfolk State, and that was more like flexing, having fun. 73 to 7 beatdown of Robert Morris. Then you go to the 51-0 beatdown of William and Mary. Then you go to the 63-10 beatdown at Richmond. And then the 27 27- 24 loss against Elon. I know I'm just reciting back what last year's schedule was. But those first couple of games of those beatdowns, Danucci was having fun. Things were working for the offense. And then the Elon game, things got tight. He didn't look great. A couple big-time turnovers. And then the season started to get more intense. The Villanova game, they they were honest about it going into last week's Villanova game about how. They weren't as clean as they wanted to be on offense. And yeah, they beat them 37-0, but a lot of special teams, a lot of defensive help. Then you go into Stony Brook. And then he gets benched at New Hampshire. And he had just come from Pitt, where he had been benched for another quarterback because the coach lost faith in him. I think last season, Houston and Danucci were polar opposites. And Houston was a very do-it-this way, team, team, team. Your last name is JMU, that type of thing and Denucci wasn't not that Denucci isn't a team player but Denucci's going to run for the first down give you a finger gun he's going to flex in your face he's going to he's going to do himself and i think Signetti's kind of letting that happen and we haven't seen a Danucci regression this season and i think it is because of the reason that Signetti's letting him be himself on the football field Denucci's a little a year older too you can argue how much about maturity and blah blah blah. I think he was plenty mature last year. I think Danucci's finally has the confidence of his coach. He feels like he has the confidence of his coach. And he's going out every Saturday and playing like his job doesn't depend on it, like he can have fun. I like the conspiracy theory. I really, yep. And I I don't know if it's even a conspiracy theory. I feel <laughs> like if I ended it with and that's why Houston left East Carolina because he hated Ben Danucci. That would be a conspiracy theory. But I, I think it's just a theory. I think if Houston stayed this year, I wouldn't have been surprised if Kojo was the starter or if Kojo was the starter now or these are a lot of different things I would be surprised by. Or if Danucci had regressed.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair that Montgomery and, and Cignetti, DiNucci, I don't know how much of it was Houston reeling him in and Signetti not reeling him in, but I do think there's... This year, there hasn't been any talk, even if he makes mistakes or any any like confidence issues or things like that. It just seems like he's going. So I don't know if that's maturity or if that's Signetti, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he's playing the way he is under Signetti, um, who's had it. And so is Shane Montgomery teaching quarterbacks. Yes, yeah, Houston really doesn't have that track record. He ran like a triple option at the Citadel and, and things like that. He was not someone who's known for his um quarterback coaching hours was, right right so yeah i think signetti definitely helps there and i do think he has instilled some confidence in ben that is paying off very well i think his stats compare very favorably actually to to tom flacco which is interesting greg medea had a tweet that the stats are pretty close to identical which i think most people if you ask them they think that Flacco's lighting the world on fire but really
1: he's had a bad season
0: yeah janucci's play him a little bit better, and, and Flacco and his his team have struggled to win, which partially can be blamed on the defense for sure,
1: but... And Shane Simpson's injury, no doubt. No doubt. But I like your theory. What's Thank you. On me? Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, and I think uh, I had another part of that theory. Oh, man, what was it? Oh, man. I forgot what it was. Oh, it was kind of... It was to piggyback on your thing. So you know, he has a track writer with what? Phillip Rivers, um, Russell Wilson... Uh I think was AJ McCarron the quarterback down at Alabama when he was there. That sounds about right. But yeah, it's three NFL quarterbacks at least. I'm probably missing five of them that he's coached, but he has yeah, a Mon- proven track record.
0: And Montgomery helped with Roethlisberger at Miami, Ohio, I believe.
1: That's right. Yeah. So so they
0: they both got feeling more experience being around professional quarterbacks. Three Hall
1: of Fame quarterbacks. <laughs>
0: Was was AJ McCarron your Hall of Famer? <laughs>
1: uh, I hate you so much. <laughs> okay, turn hey, to Percy, don't, don't rule it out. Is he even in the league? No. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's a coming. commentator for the SEC Network. I think. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, like Tim Tebow. So Percy is playing really well. Latro Palmer is playing really well. Solomon Van Horse is playing really well. I think Austin Douglas is playing pretty well at defensive back now. Um, and Jawan Hamilton, did you have a hot take here, or was this just you wanting to say that they're all playing really well? Not much of a hot take, but I am
0: <laughs> excited to see Percy getting so many carries. It's five consecutive games now where he's had at least 10 carries, which is something that we've been sort of – clamoring for since like last year at the end of the year. Um, So I'm excited to see that his yards per carry haven't been crazy, but he's got eight touchdowns already. He's proven to be a really solid goal line back. He's right around like 4.8 to five yards per carry. He's someone that I think is going to be really good in the postseason, just because he's good around the goal line. And I think he's due to break some longer runs. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I think that he's a perfect sort of lead back, even though it's still going to be running back by committee. I think he's a good, like, number one in that committee. And, um, yeah, I've just been impressed with him, especially near the goal line.
1: Yeah, that's all very true. I, I stand by my Lachell Palmer take from last week. That's very. Um, yeah, solid game. Got but, yeah, Percy's – I remember coming into the season, I was just so high on Percy. I loved him for his last two years with the team. Yeah, great player.
0: All right, you have a hot take after that soft take.
1: I think – Man, this is just – with football, when we don't watch it, I think we just come up with (laughs) random hot takes to talk about it. So, I think that this week – so, I said it in the roundtable last week. Jamie's going to have a really, really good game against William & Mary in the secondary. They're going to look like they're the team. It's going to be five quarters of good secondary play. But I said, don't let that fool you because William & Mary is the worst passing offense in the CAA. And what they do, they had, they had a good game, and so I think they're gonna—not to shoot my own horn, but so far, I'm <laughs> right. And what they do, I was correct. Um, so I think now they're gonna go up against Tom Flacco and the Towson attack, and which is pretty potent. I think the secondary is gonna go out. They're gonna have another solid game. I guess this is more of a hot prediction and a hot take. I think they're gonna have a solid game this week. I think. Their struggles will be covered up by John Daka and Rondell and Mike Green and Adi Batariwa and company getting to the quarterback and getting a couple sacks, maybe four or five of them, and kind of cover up some secondary problems. But I think overall the secondary will look respectable, and and fans will be saying, wow, they look really good now for nine quarters. The secondary's changed. They've pivoted. And then I think they're going to get burned in the playoffs, and I think the secondary might be the reason for an early exit in the playoffs.
0: I don't dislike that take. I do think that people don't pay enough attention to like just the opposition, so they'll be like, "Oh wow, the secondary looked a lot better this week." And it's like, okay, well, like Villanova and William Mary are drastically different teams. So <laughs> I think I think that's a fair point because, yeah, I mean if. if GMU goes up against one of those elite passing attacks. And I think like Sacramento state is a weird one that sort of jumps out right now. They're playing at a really high level and they're yeah, quarter, quarterbacks, on, quarterbacks on pace for like 50 touchdowns a regular season or something gross. So he's playing out of his mind. I mean, if they run into a team that can throw it like that or a team that maybe like North Dakota state or South Dakota state, that's pretty balanced and can do different things. I think the secondary still needs to improve. So that's, that's yeah. fair. I wouldn't be stunned to see a team early in the, postseason or maybe like the quarterfinals or something, do some really solid things against JMU. Um, yeah, I think the offense, that's that's still my thought, at least. The offense is going to have to kind of carry the way
1: postseason. Yeah.
0: The defense will be good, like you mentioned, the defensive line, but I kind of feel like the offense is going to have to be the, the big showstopper.
1: Yeah, and here's part two to that hot take. I think a big reason the secondary's been struggling so much this season is because of the defense's infatuation with running man-to-man coverage on the outside in a cover one type of defense setup. And I think their love of tackle for losses is what's causing all of the secondary problems. I think the linebackers are too worried about getting those tackle for losses than they are about staying true and staying home and staying in the middle of the field. And that's why these crossing routes just seem to be eating JMU alive.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that we talked about. You did a good job in your film breakdown. It's like the emphasis on stopping the run is so heavy. Yeah, Sometimes it can burn JMU. So I'm interested to see, especially let's say JMU does get a team late in the playoffs like South Dakota State or North Dakota State that can run the ball pretty well and throw it well. Are they going to get killed on play action? Because Stony Brook kind of killed them on play action, right? So I think if you play in North Dakota State, that could definitely be a huge concern. The other thing that's actually kind of interesting is that I don't know how much JMU is really going to be tested the rest of the regular season. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they tested, will at all. Like at all. So I think that could be a potential, I don't know about concern, but they've got three home games and then a road game at Rhode Island. Uh, we've got Towson, New Hampshire, Richmond at home, and then Rhode Island on the road. All of those are very winnable, and you would expect JMU probably to win by double digits. I know we've said that before and certainly been burned, but I think playing at home helps They're winnable games, if they do cruise through those four games going into the postseason, they have a bye, they're feeling confident, and then they hit a team that can do different things and play action and passing the ball down the field, yeah, they could be in for a a rude awakening or at least a scare, kind of like the Stony Brook game.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's all I'll (laughs) say about that, yes. Yeah, we will, (laughs) we'll see what happens, folks. But yeah, there's no one on this schedule, like, left. They right. got through their gauntlet. Who would have thought they got through the gauntlet five and zero though? Impressive, impressive. Man, that was five games, four of which on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean that's they've and been. They came out five and zero. Man, this could be
1: the best team in the history of football. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: Look Listen, at the last
1: man. time we said that about this being the best JMU football team of all time, and then what did they do? They went out and lost to Elon. And they end up losing to Colgate. We all make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes.
0: I feel like right. right now
1: you're researching for the CAA Pick'em. I did turn to the CAA Pick'em. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Should we get to CAA Pick'em? Yeah. I want to start everything off by saying I apologize to our loyal fans that I did not, mm-hmm. one, post the graphic last yes. Friday. Oops. Or post this um, – what's this called? This podcast. segment – if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain first it's free how much better does it get second there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer third anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in your podcast will be there Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. It's time for this week's weekly pick'em. So here we are, CAA weekly pick'em. How many we got on? Oh, we got five on tap this week. Oh, let's look at um. I, I don't have the paper. Who? Who did, How did we go last week? Uh, I oh, feel like God. I extended my lead by a game. I think, yeah, I think you're up two games again. But okay, okay, so I definitely got one wrong, though. I got JMU right. You got JMU right. Or did I get them all right? Did you bet Albany? Yes. Oh, yeah, you I did. got New Hampshire wrong. I got New Hampshire wrong. They lost yes, to Delaware, and, and I did too. Okay, so, so I you went were two and one. one. I was one and two. Okay what's our overall records? I should really be prepared more. Man. No, this is the part we don't prepare for. It's like our- I'm... Okay, so year nine and four coming in... Oh, wait. Yeah. You were nine and four coming into last week. I was... No, that's wrong. No. I got the... We had that really bad week. Or I had the really bad week.
0: I was yeah, 10 man. and eight, I think. And you were nine and nine.
1: You're right. You're right. I really need to keep track of my papers better because I... Is this it? Oh, I found it. Yeah, you were 10 there and go. 8. I was 9 and 9. Beautiful. Okay. And now you're 12 and 9, and I am 10 and 11. Yes. Wow. Okay. Man. Okay, back to it. CA Weekly, pick them. Here we go. Five games on tap this week. Cue the music. You ready? I'm ready. William and Mary. Traveling to Maine. This one can be found on flowfootball.com or on TV at WVII or WVVX or WFVX or WMPE. Who do you got? <laughs> for, for our <laughs> listeners in Maine,
0: make sure you tune in. This is a good one, right? This is, is it? a tough one because <laughs> I at like it's it's, hard, it's, it's um, a challenging game to pick, what would be a better way to say Oh, it? it's
1: very challenging because Maine is. The most Bass? regressed team I've ever seen. And right. William and Mary is. I don't even know, but you got to go to me. Who do you got?
0: <laughs> William and Mary has struggled on the road this season. They are a team that loses their mind when they're not playing at home. That is because they, Clearly they lose
1: it at home too when they lose 38 to 10. Uh- <laughs>
0: They're a team that... I'm just going to take Maine. I don't know. It's in Maine. I think both teams are kind of bad, but I'll say that playing at home is enough.
1: Thank you for saying that because I'm going to go William & Mary for this reason. Richmond beat Maine at Maine 24-17. Maine isn't good. Um, lost to Towson at home. Yeah, Maine's not a good team. They beat Sacred Heart at home, but I could beat Sacred Heart by myself. So, (laughs) I'm going to take William & Mary. Elon travels to Kingston, Rhode Island.
0: Who do you got? Elon beat Delaware 42-7 to their last time out. They're scrapping for a postseason berth. They just had a bye week. I like Elon to go to Kingston, Rhode Island, make a stand, make a statement, and win that game.
1: You know, I'm going to go Elon, too, for this reason. Um, screw Rhode Island Every freaking time I pick them They burn me And they're going to win this week I guarantee they'll win this week But I can't pick them I pick Elon <laughs> They make me so upset man
0: I feel like you just picked both teams That's a classic <laughs> That is a classic Hedging your bets
1: Yeah that's next week um, So I went 3-3 three and three, But actually I said Rhode Island was going to win so I'm really forward to. Um, <laughs> Richmond, they go to Danny Rocco's house. This one can be heard on ESPN 99.5, 950 a.m. or on flowfootball.com. So could Elon Rhode Island. All games can be found at flowfootball.com. We're waiting for the check in the mail, Flow Football.
0: We are waiting for the check in the mail, Flow Football. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Thanks for reiterating (laughs) it. Hey JMU's not on flow this week though I'm Madison. Go Dukes. Go Dukes. I'm gonna say this is interesting because you got the fighting Danny Rocco's versus (laughs) the fighting Danny (laughs) Rocco's. And I think both teams are bad. Richmond? No, no. They're they're super talented. Delaware just beat New Hampshire, which is the kind of win that you like write home about. And then Richmond. Richmond just choked hardcore at Yale. I don't know how much you. Said
1: about oh my that. god! I saw more of that game than I did of the JMU yeah. game. I watched <laughs> that was like a the hilarious last choke. Ninety seconds. Insane. God, how, for those of you who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, Yale beat Richmond twenty-eight to seven, and Yale scored fourteen points right in the final like fifteen seconds of the game.
0: Yeah, it's, like, 27-14, and then they, like, score a touchdown.
1: They converted, like, two fourth and fifteens. Yeah, and that, I think we didn't focus on that enough in that highlight package. Both yeah. of their scoring drives to win, they converted a fourth and ten-plus.
0: Yep, got an onside kick, end up winning 20 27 Just nuts. So, I'm going to say that Richmond, they're going on the road. I think they're going to be pretty devastated, so I'm going
1: to take Delaware to, to win. Okay, I like that pick. I'm going to go Delaware as well. Um I think Delaware's a good, gooder team. Gooder. Better team than Richmond. Gooder. <laughs> and I think being at home for the Fighting Danny Rocco's will really help them take down the X fighting Danny Rocco's. I like that. Stony Brook, Villanova. Two? This is a game of CAA beating up on itself. What do mm-hmm. you got?
0: These are two good teams. I'm going to see Villanova. I think they're going to be good coming off a of Bye. I'm still really impressed by what they're doing. So, Playing at home, I think they're the better team. I think they find a way to beat Chuck Briore in the (laughs) Seawolves.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Villanova too. Um, With this pick, I realize that I can only gain one game on you, but Villanova's a smart choice. You might be surprised by my next pick. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) I think Villanova... (laughs) Sorry. That was (laughs) my favorite. That was such a condescending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um is a really good team. Um, if they don't finish as a seed team, that's a disgrace. Um, I think they're one of the top crazy. I think they're one of the top eight teams in the FCS. Yeah, right. So I think they can win this game, especially being home. Okay. Towson, James, <laughs> you surprise me. Look, Tom Flacco and
0: company, they need a playoff berth. They're coming into this game desperate. They are going on the road to a place that they're familiar with. They know where Harrisonburg is. They know where Virginia is. They're pretty close by. Towson, Maryland. Maryland. And I think that This is a game, this is a bus trip, right? And what do teams do when they're on a bus together? They bond,
1: they get close. They sing 99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer, take one down, pass it around, 98 bottles of beer on the wall, 98 bottles of beer on the wall. Okay. (laughs) I was wondering how I'm
0: going to go. So, right, they're going to be doing that exclusively, which bonds a team together. I think Towson, they're desperate, they need this game, they're on the road. They go in there and they they send a statement to the playoff committee and I think JMU wins it by 27. (laughs) I kind of wanted to pick Towson earlier in the week and then I was like, (laughs) their defense is so bad.
1: Yeah. I think this is going to be a game of a kind of first to 50 because I really don't see JMU secondary stopping them. Um, Oh, they're going
0: to stop them. They're going to stop Tommy Flack.
1: (laughs) I think Tom Flacco is going to have a career day or maybe a season best day. Um, But I think Jamie's offense can keep right up with them. But also I could be surprised like last year when Jamie's defense decided to shut down Towson to finish out the season. I think Jamie wins this one by three and a half touchdowns easily. Um, Kind of pulls away late. It's kind of close through the first three quarters and then the fourth quarter, kind of like what they did to Villanova. Get the clamps down, a couple big-time turnovers, and Jamie walks away as the victors. I like
0: it. All right, so you can cut my lead to one
1: if everything breaks your way. Well, yeah, I have to go – not go perfect. I have to win late. Yeah. It's just, really, that's the only one that changes that's the only one our that standings. Yeah. All the other games, could, I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be really cool. tuned into the tribe at the Black Bears. Yeah, that's gonna be huge. Stream that one on your phone. Flow football. Yeah. Okay. Buffer every two. Quick rundown now of all other sports outside of football, yes. men's soccer, women's soccer, hockey, v-ball, golf, anything else. <laughs> <Focky>. Wrap up. <laughs> okay, men's soccer. They're <laughs> nine five and two. They're four one and one in the CAA. You put inconsistent, and I think that's the perfect word to describe this team.
0: Yeah, they're a little inconsistent. They dropped a uh conference match recently. They s- kind of struggled to start the year. They also Wake Forest when Wake was at number one, a win over a ranked Cal State Fullerton team at one point. So a good
1: game against UVA, the number one team. Yeah.
0: So when, when Jamie's on, I think it's one of the better teams in the country and, and it does have moments though where it kind of <clears> struggles. So I think it needs to become more consistent moving forward. But I think the the future's still bright for this team this year and beyond.
1: Yeah, and, and they'll they'll make it into the I think they need to win these last two games and then it doesn't, and then it doesn't matter what happens in the uh, tournament, CAA tournament. Right. Um, Granted, if they lose one of these last two, I think they might have to kind of make a little bit of a run, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think once I think they're a team that plays to their competition. Definitely. And that pains me as a fan, as a media member, as everything, because you want if your team is great, play like you're great night in and night out. But fortunately, they don't. They're inconsistent. They've lost to uh, FAU, FIU, and Villanova, and UNCW. And they did tie a ranked Penn State team, so that's good. We could have won that game. Um, I think they went up early, one nil. So they did tough it was tough cold, game, but
0: called early due to fog. Oh,
1: is that really what happened?
0: Yeah, they played like 70 minutes, though, so it wasn't really that early.
1: Oh, okay. But, yeah, inconsistent. I think that the big reason they're inconsistent is because a majority of their offense goes through Manu. And if Manu kind of struggles or if the opposing defense decides to key in on him, then Jamie's going to kind of find it, be, be, all, be a little struggle. I would agree. And women's soccer. Great read on Lizzie Lazaro. That is very true. Yes, the great read on Lizzie Lazaro was also written by Lizzie Lazaro.
0: So she wrote a piece about her struggles with injuries and what that's like. And I thought that was a really interesting look into the life of a student athlete um, and one who's kind of having a rough go of it in terms of the athletic side. I thought that was that was cool for her to open up about that, and always good for people to to have those opportunities to read stories like that about players that aren't you know football players because they're going to get a lot of coverage from the breeze and the DNR, but women's soccer certainly doesn't get the same level of um, of coverage.
1: Yeah, I love that off-the-collar series that JNU Athletics does where that player writes a story about themselves. I think Tab Patrick did it last season for mm-hmm. football as he's done it. Um, a couple other players have done it. I think Kelly Vajos last season did it for volleyball. But, yeah, I, lo- I love that stuff. But the team itself, though, isn't – as great as that read was. That is true. The
0: team is below 500. They're hanging in there. They're hanging in there in conference play. I'm interested to see how they do in the CA tournament. Um, don't have high expectations, but I do think
1: that they're, they'll be a, a tough out in the CA tournament. I think they'll give everyone a run for their money. I think they might be a quarterfinals out, but they'll, it'll be a tough out. They'll make some noise, as people like to say. They did have that two-game stretch where they went. They scored ten. That was pretty like wild. Ten goals and didn't allow one. And then they went to Elon and lost three 2 But win some, you lose some. Win some, you lose some. Hockey Bennett is fairly impressed.
0: Yeah, field hockey's got three conference games left, and then a non-conference game, and then they'll be in the CA tournament. I think they are going to finish the year nine and nine five hundred, which I am impressed with because. You know, early on the season, I did not expect that to happen. And uh, getting to five hundred, I think it's a good step in the right direction this year.
1: That's amazing because I remember what we were talking about at the beginning of the season just just our switch up from from beginning of the year to now. This field hockey team made it made a great mid season turn. They're probably not winning the CAA tournament or the CAA championships because Delaware's in there, but I think it's going to be a. It's, it's a solid season. It's not a forgotten season. This was a great rebuilding year, and I think it's a fantastic springboard into next season. Much better than if they just packed it up when we said so.
0: Yeah, kudos to them for not listening to what we said. Yeah,
1: yeah I, think it, I think a lot of people would do better if they don't listen to us. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> V-ball. Volleyball. Correct. That's V-Ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are twelve and six, and six and four, six and two. Are they six and two? Yeah, they're six and two in the conference. Uh, pretty solid team. They had that two match stretch where they lost, and since then they're kind of plowing through the competition. They haven't dropped a set in their last. Yeah, they were
1: four f- 4-0 and zero, twelve and yeah, twelve and zero. So they're
0: playing well. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. They have got a good sizable chunk of conference play left, about a month or so. So we'll keep talking about them as their season progresses.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling uh, a CAA ring is in their future. Ooh. <laughs> bold! I know nothing major to report on the golf front. No, nothing major on the golf front. The
0: one thing that was interesting today. What are your thoughts on Jamie Football scheduling the home and home
1: with Weber State? I'm actually really glad. Really glad you brought that up. That is fantastic because next year they're gonna they've a it's a home and home in 2021 and 2022, uh-huh. um, and that's gonna make mark four years of a quality FCS opponent. I know Chattanooga wasn't fantastic this year, but it's not another cupcake cupcake game. Um, and I think it's really great that they're going out and they're getting these home and home series with other respectable and. Bigger name FCS programs. Next one I want to see, North Dakota State.
0: That'd be so good, man. Playing North Dakota State would be amazing. I'm really excited, though, for the Weaver State. Oh, it's 100%. Cool. West Coast trip, which is awesome. Just get out there and have that opportunity. Also, always good to have those opportunities as a program because you might have a West Coast trip at some point in the playoffs, depending on how the yeah. season goes. So I think it's good for your players just to be able to get out there and learn from that sort of longer road trip. But then just for fans of FCS in general, I'm sure that'll be one of the games of the week nationally that week, assuming both programs sort of stay near the level that they're at. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's massive. I like when these teams do this, like I know North Dakota state and UC Davis this year was an exciting matchup, big sky against Missouri Valley. So I'm, I'm stoked.
1: Yeah. I I, I hope this opens the door for less quote unquote cupcakes and more of these like great matchups. I mean, could you imagine a home and home with South Dakota State, with right. North Dakota State, with even North Dakota, the Montanas, like mm. all of the good FCS programs that are up there? Like, I I would love to see home and homes more home and homes because you're not losing anything. Right. I mean, it's a great opportunity, and it's just instead of
0: playing, you know, a cupcake. I also think it really helps engage like the casual fan if you've got you know the JMU yeah. base the JMU base is really stoked for a road game or a big big non-conference home game. I don't think that happens a ton. I think sometimes the casual fans can go four, five, six weeks into a season without really caring about a game.
1: Yeah. This is fantastic. I love it. Anything else out there? No, that's that's all I have. Yeah, the Lizzie loves Lids- Man, I can't talk. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just going to go to silently watching the World Series and editing the audio. That should be the pull quote. Just, oh, man. <laughs>
0: I'm just going Jamie, go.
1: Jamie loses on Saturday, that's the pull quote. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so keep up uh, with us on our home on the web, www.jmusportsnews.com. Ah, uh, you can like us on Facebook. Just type in JMU Sports News in the search bar on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Um, I think that's all of our social medias. All of our homes on the web. Yeah, for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. I think Wednesdays are probably gonna become our go to day device. Cause now what? This is like a month straight of Wednesdays. This has been. Um, so yeah, see ya.